Good morning, good morning. Kids, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here because you, you guys teach us some stuff. They just hugged each other and one picked up the other. I'm like, I'm going to tell you, they're really happy to see each other. It's not fake. <laughs> and they keep you on your toes because I said, take the blood. And then I walked over there and my young, one of mine says, is this really blood? I said, no, no, no. This is, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I said, we just, we, we see this as a symbol. <laughs> she kept me theologically right. I was like, oh man. A <laughs> couple of announcements. If you are new with us, our growth, our connection cards are in the back of your seats. You can fill one of those out and drop it in the tithe box. Also, two Today starts our growth track. Today, right after service, we will have lunch. Child care is provided. If you have not taken our growth track, this is our membership class. This is the way you get to know us. This is the way you get plugged in. Start being a part of the body because you are better at things than I am. You will be better at things and complete this body and help us to be more healthier if God has called you here. Amen? So right after service, we will have lunch. We'll have child care. The kids will have uh, lunch in the children's suite, and then we will start. All right. Yes, it is family service, as I said. And Miss Michelle Flott, there she is, our wonderful children's director. Give her a hand. Come on. All right. I need my three- to five-year-olds. If you're in our three- to five-year-old class, come on up. Come on, because you're going to tell everybody what scripture verse you've been learning. Hey, Milo, come on. Come on. Who else? That's it? You're not going to come, Rennick? No? Okay, I hope y'all know it. Okay, y'all remember? Okay, they've been learning about how to follow God, right? And about Abram and Noah. So they're going to say the verse, okay? Y'all remember? Okay, y'all ready? Lord, right. show me your ways. Teach, Teach me how, how to follow you. Good job. Good job. All right. Y'all can go. Good job. All right, now I need my first to fifth graders. If you're in the first to fifth grade class, y'all can come up. And while they're coming up, I'm going to talk briefly about what they've been learning about. So this, they've been learning about how to be on a mission for God and how Jesus came to earth to seek and to save the lost and how our responsibility as Christians is to go out and to find those that need Jesus and tell them about Jesus. And so we have switched to this new curriculum because we finished our What's in the Bible. And so they've gone through all of the books of the Bible, and now they're learning how to share that with others. And we have a Bible story every week life application, small group time where they get to dig deeper into the Word and form relationships with each other and with our teachers. Um, so, do y'all remember y'all verse? Let's see. Yeah. Let's see. All right. Let me see if y'all remember. I'll give, you, I'll give you the little start, okay? Okay, y'all ready? Win everything. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you Be with me wherever I go. John 14.3. Good job. Good job. And I want to tell y'all about this so that y'all can be asking them these questions because we have a little guy that comes up on our videos and he teaches us a what's up, and that is like the main part of the lesson. And so if you ask them what's up, then they should answer 
with their what's up. So let's put our little video up there so y'all can see what they what they see. Hey people, what's up? So say. So if you ask them what's up, they will tell you their what's up with for that week. No, <laughs> I know it's not a word. <laughs> All right, so y'all can go sit down. That's their little thing. I just want to do one more little thing. If you are a volunteer in children's ministry, please stand up because we could not do it without you. So I want everybody to just see who our volunteers are. Thank you so much. They are teaching your kiddos every Sunday when, when we have ch children's church. So, All right. I'm going to tell you that's raw. That's live. That's real. Come on. We don't mess around here. We do real here at Foundations Church. It's real. <laughs> they are smart. They know the Bible and they know grammatical correctness, which is a big deal. I'm in Louisiana. That's, that's impressive. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 50 as we continue our series on seasons. Our seasons for all of us in our life. We see all the young kids, they're in a season, and soon that'll be over, and they'll be teenagers and so forth and so on. God has a lot to say about seasons. He wants us to be prosper, prosperous in every one of them. Isaiah 51 through 5, let me set this up. Israel split, remember? That uh, Israel's in the north, Judah and Benjamin in the south. Israel is going to be invaded multiple times and early before Judah. Israel is going to be invaded first by uh, Assyria. That invasion has happened. Many of them have been taken in captivity. Isaiah is the prince of prophets because he, one, has the longest ministry, at least 50 years. Some theologians put it up to 64 years of active prophetical ministry prophetic ministry. Secondly, he's the prince of prophets because he's the, he's the prophet to the nations all over, not just Israel. And thirdly, most importantly, he's a prophet because he proclaims Christ and his coming and all the specific parts of his ministry more than anyone else. So they kind of put him as the prince of prophets. So we're setting this up because as Israel's been invaded, Judah not yet. So much turmoil going on, invading armies, this and that. All of these issues are going on, and God's people are struggling. Why? The, and the armies have invaded because God has, God's people are uh, have idols. They've walked away from the Lord in many ways. And Isaiah is going to use by the Spirit of the Lord the family unit as a picture of what's going on in the country. So here we are in Isaiah 50. Thus says the Lord, where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? I'll read all this and then we'll explain it. Of which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities you have sold yourselves, and for your transgressions your mother has been put away. Why then, why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Indeed, with my rebuke, I draw up the sea. He's going to point him back to, uh, to Egypt, point him back how God dried up the sea and brought him out of Egypt. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink because there is no water. Remember the Nile? They couldn't stand to drink it because all the dead fish in it. And die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with darkness. Remember those three days of darkness. And I make sackcloth the covering. 
then Isaiah is going to step in first person the type of Christ, the person of Christ. He's going to step in. Verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. So let's look at this. He steps forward and he says, you guys feel far away from me. I didn't write a certificate of divorce. Remember, it was a, hand, a document handed to the wife in this Eastern culture because, remember, she didn't often have a job. She didn't have skills and could, couldn't take care, take care of herself. She had to have that certificate of divorce, one, if she was going to remarry. Secondly, so people would know, look, I've been put away. I need some help. It was a legal document that she would have in her hand. And God steps forward and say, you feel like I've forsaken you. Where's the certificate of divorce? In fact, right before, in just a few verses before, if you'll read, excuse me, a chapter before in Isaiah 49, 14. Let's look at this, 14 through 16. This is what they're saying. It says, behold, Zion, all of the people said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You may feel far away, but hold on. You don't understand the covenant relationship we have. I don't forsake. I don't leave. I don't forsake. When I said I would be your people and, and, uh, and I would be your God, that's set. It's set in stone. And Israel is struggling with their relationship with God. They're struggling in this season saying, I feel forsaken. And God brings them back to a family picture. He says, I want to tell you, if you can forget that child you're holding, I'll forget you. Parents, you ever forget, can that happen? That ain't going to happen. You're a parent 24-7. doesn't matter if they're four months or 40 years old. You're a parent. Jeremiah says the same thing in Jeremiah 33. Let me read this to you. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will, be, so there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. Now, this is what he's saying here, because this is even a bigger deal. If you can make the sun stop rising, then my salvation won't come. His, 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 he was saying specifically my covenant with David. What was David's covenant? Someone's going to sit on your throne eternally. He's saying that's Jesus coming. If you can make the sun not rise, then my covenant with David can be broken. I'm going to tell you number one in your notes what's... It makes me sleep good at night, which no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what season, no matter what struggle, I can remember this. Number one, covenants are not seasonal. When you came to the cross of Jesus Christ under the shed blood of Jesus, you came into covenant with God. Amen. That is not seasonal. God's people were like, hey, what happened? We feel forsaken a little bit. We all have difficult times in our lives, even times that our sin has brought us away. 
But God steps forward and says, I'm going to tell you, my covenant is not a seasonal one. We have to know that, that we know that we know in the deepest part of our heart. By the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will seal us that we know that we're His. You know, it's June 30th. You know what that means. Tomorrow is July 1st, and nobody bulls crawfish on July 1st. You know why? Because it's too hot, and if you are, you need prayer. But what June 30th is the absolute. Maybe you can boil some crawfish in June, but come July, is the season over? It's over. Are we in Cajun country? Right? Y'all with me? It's over. It's seasonal. And, oh, we think, oh, we got six months to wait. And really, if you want the good ones, you got to wait for like eight months. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know little things in December. I don't want that. Oh, it's seasonal. I am so glad that my covenant with Jesus Christ through his blood is not seasonal. Amen? You proclaim it. You live in it. It's not a seasonal changing thing. It is unchanging. Let's keep looking at this. So all of these pictures of this family. So it says, look, you feel far away from me, but you don't have a divorce, any divorce papers. I'm still here. So let's look at verse 2 of Isaiah 50. This is still family pictures. Verse 2. Why, when I came, was there no man? So, so much of the Hebrew is all word pictures. It, it, when it, it says this, it's just, okay, what do you mean? The picture is of a man walking into a community. He's walking in, and it's a ghost town. There's nobody there. Then it takes it a step further. Look at the rest of it. Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? This is a picture of a man walking into his house, and it's the equivalent of, honey, I'm home, right? And he wants to smell something good, hopefully cooking. On the perfect day, his wife walks in. His kids are all lined up. Hey, Dad, we love you. We miss you. She kicks up her foot. She gives him a kiss. This is a perfect day, okay? <laughs> it's a perfect day. <laughs> Very few days. She gives him a kiss. Sit down, honey. I've got some iced tea for you. You just relax. You've been working all day. But this is the picture. Now, remember, in the Eastern mindset, where this was written, when this was written, the man had chief respect when the elder, and it may not even be the father, it may be the grandfather, when he walked into the house, everyone paid him respect. In fact, usually they lined up and they all kissed his hand. When he came into the house, remember that you read the uh, psalm, it says, kiss the son, lest he be angry. That's the picture. Show him respect do him when he walks into the house. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, says, I walked into the house and I said, honey, where are you? And there was nobody. There was nothing. This is the picture of the worst season we can find. This is the picture that's so sad in our lives. Let me tell you how to avoid bleakness. I'm going to tell you how to avoid the deepest, darkest dungeons. We all have bad days, but I'm going to tell you how to avoid depression that derails you, fear that cripples you long term, something that wants to steal your joy or steal your marriage. I'm talking about the big things, not that we just had a bad day. I'm going to tell you how to avoid the majors in life. It's right here. This is it. Number two on your notes. 
Silence toward God is the worst of all seasons. I could hear you worshiping this morning. Don't come in here and be silent. You may not be able to jump around. Maybe all you can do is put your hands in your face and say, oh, God, I need you. But don't be silent. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter if you got to cry a bucket of tears every day before the living God. You cry your bucket of tears. Just don't be silent. When I came in, I just didn't hear a word. I called, and nobody was there. This is what Proverbs 1 says so clearly. Let's look at this. Proverbs chapter 1, 20 through 24. Wisdom calls aloud outside. Jesus is of the personification of wisdom, the Bible calls him. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the opening of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit upon you. That Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking about wisdom and everything. And it says, look. If you will turn and listen, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to have a relationship with you. Look at verse, look at verse um, 23. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Look at verse 24. Look at it now. Because I have called and what? You refused. I have stretched out my hand. And wasn't anybody there. Silence is the worst season of our life toward God. Oh, you have not because you ask not. Amen. We always think, well, I need to have more faith. I, that, praise God, we do. We need to grow in our faith. Oh, I, I need to, to, to only speak positive words. Praise God, we do. You do. Oh, if I can just um, always be someone who can proclaim the word. Praise God, do. But I'm going to tell you, more importantly... You just don't be silent. You come before God with every mess, every problem. You get in church, you put on your worship music, and you look at him and you say, God, I will not be silent. Amen? A few days ago, we were watching a, um, a nuclear, you know, kind of a movie. The world, like you got two superpowers and you got submarines in the water and you got nuclear uh, warheads on the submarines. And so the submarine, one country... It was obviously fictional. This, it was fictional. Let me stop that. <laughs> I didn't read the news this morning. It was fictional. So one superpower is getting ready to launch a nuclear warhead. The other, the other superpower is they got a submarine in the water. It's a nuclear sub, and it's on silent. It's running covert, and it can receive no communication. It's not allowed. No communication because, you know, someone could break the code or whatever. That's the protocol. Once they go under that high alert... They've got the launch codes they're going to launch in so many minutes. So they're back in the bunker, and they cannot communicate to the sub because they realize they've actually been foiled, and they're about to launch, and they're going to start the nuclear war, even though they think the other group's going to. So they can't, get a, they can't get a hold of the sub. So they're in the, they're in the bunker, and it's just crazy pandemonium. The general's like, give me a countdown. I need this. I need this information. What's going on? Get a hold of the country. It's just going. It's all crazy. You know, people are running around. The world's about to end. And then the guy on the red phone, you know the red phone? That's the phone that talks to the president and the phone that talks to the other country. Like we're going to talk before we push our hand on the button and launch the nuclear bomb. 
He's holding the red phone and he stops and he goes, they've gone silent. He goes, what? We've lost the line. There's no communication with the other country who has the nuclear bomb. The whole room in that movie just goes, <gasps> because silence is the worst season of all. Amen? And we are not going to have that one. You just decide. We're not going to be silent, not as a couple, not as a family, not in a church. We're not going to be silent. All right, let's keep going here. Number four, uh, verse four. He proclaims who he is, past, present, and future. He says, look, I married you. I got a covenant here. And he says, if you doubt my covenant, look at verse two and three, because that's what I did to bring you out of the land of bondage, even though you were there for 300 years. I brought you out of Egypt. Then he steps forward and he says, let me ex further explain this covenant in verse four. He says, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. This is a compare and contrast. Jesus, in the first one, it says, I came to you and there ain't nobody talking about nothing. No one said anything. Then he says, I'm coming. The Messiah's coming and he's going to be a talking one. In fact, the words that come out of his mouth are going to bind up the brokenhearted. They're going to heal the wounds. They're going to call the captive in. In fact, they're going to speak and blind eyes are going to open. They're going to talk, talk and, and mute, mute is going to talk and deaf ears are going to hear. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Not only are we not silent, we're not a silent people toward God. We're not silent. God has called us to be a communica communicative, communicating people. There we go. <laughs> Why? Because he is. We're just trying to be like him. But here's a picture of Jesus saying that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. That in season means at the perfect time, right when they need it, I have it. Number three on your notes. Encouragement is always a Christian's ministry. We never have a season of silence against God. And we always have encouragement coming out of our mouth. Is that who Jesus was? That's who Jesus was. So last week. I went to, went to Bethany with some of the leaders of Bethany Conference. If you want to go, it's every year in June. I highly encourage you to go. We'll get you tickets if you want to go, or you can go in the evening. So Larry Stockstill um, was the pastor for 28 years. He handed it over to his son. He's in his 60s. Larry Stockstill is my pastor's pastor from, Col from Cal Colorado. They're all connected. Anyway, so Larry, uh, if you don't know him, he is just such a father. He's just got this, this fathering ability. And he gets it from other people. He gets it from his father, Roy. He gets it from Rod Aguilar, other men. You know, you give what you can only give what you have, right? So they, those men deposit into Larry, who's in his 60s now. Larry's depositing into the, my generation now, and we're going to deposit into the next generation. Amen. So Larry's talking and he says, you know, on Father's Day, I have six, he has six biological children, five boys. 
He said, but I didn't get six calls. He said, in fact, not including my kids, 18 men called me or texted me. He said, in all humility, he said, I have 18 spiritual children that are not mine. And I thought, why in the world? And then he taught us out of 1 Thessalonians, and I want to read it to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 10 and 11. And I thought, this is why his church can fill up a this is why his church can fill up a big auditorium in June in Louisiana, and everyone comes from all the nation, even the world, to June in Louisiana. <laughs> it's not the best time, but they come. Paul talking to his spiritual children. Now, this is what's amazing. Paul wasn't married, maybe possibly when he was young, but he didn't have any children. He was single most of his life, but he was a spiritual father. Don't ever think because you don't have something God can't use you. Well, I got a divorce. Where I don't have this, where I don't have that. That is contrary to everything God used Paul to. Amen? So you get that out of your thinking because it's not God's thinking. You are witnesses of God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted, that means encouraged. We just build you up. We just poured into We just loved on you. Encouraged. And comforted, that means you were there on their bad days. I mean, when it fell apart. I mean, when they thought they were going to get that promotion and they got fired. I mean, they flunked that one. They comforted and comforted and charged every one of you like an apostle does. It's not what he says. What does he say there? As a father does his own children. And Larry brought it out and it clicked with me and I realized, parents, are you ever off? Are you ever off duty? You're always a parent. It's just in your mind all the time. Da, 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 da. Even if you, you may not even have biological children, you can be, according to Paul. And I realized Paul's saying right there, encouragement is my every season. Just like a father, a mother is always a parent all the time. Isn't that what Paul's saying? I encouraged you, not like a pastor, not like someone witnessing, not like someone doing a mission trip. I encouraged you. I comforted you. I, I charged you like, hey, buddy, let's, let's not do that in love. I charge you like a father does, and it clicked. Encouragement is always our season, right? It's always our season. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be because that's who Jesus is. Ooh, that's why I'm a Bible reader too. Man, I need that. Let's keep looking here. We're back in Isaiah. Verse 4. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. This prophecy is going to tunnel very specifically from a five-lane highway down to a one-lane highway on Jesus Christ the person in the work. In fact, if you just keep reading, we didn't read down that far, but this is the text that says, they pulled out my beard. They hit me. It's all the specifics about the crucifixion. So we know this is straight in line with Jesus. Look what it says. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You know, I have actually changed my theology on this concerning who Jesus was in his ministry. I always thought, look, he's, you know, he starts his ministry at 30. 
he's running a breakneck speed. He's got three years. It's nonstop. Jesus is nonstop. I mean, he's a CEO running, right? That's what I thought. That's not the New Testament picture. There is nowhere in the Bible recorded that Jesus ran. And you read, he didn't. He worked at the perfect pace of the Father. What was that pace? He awakens me morning by morning. Let me ask you a question. How did Jesus get up every morning, pre-dark and stuff, with no alarm clocks? Really? How did he do that? He's still a man, right? He still gets tired. He's he's subject to all of our difficulties, right? How did he do that? Was he just some supernatural? No, he was a tired guy. This picture right here is of a father coming in saying, it's time to get up, son. Come with me today to my field. And I thought, that's what he does. You read all throughout the New Testament, and it says he got up early in the morning. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord just roused him. Hey, son, it's time to get up and spend some time with me before the day. Oh, he awakens me morning by morning. It also speaks of God's grace and mercy new every morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. Number four in your notes. We're going to learn this as a church and individually too. God has a pace of grace for each season of your life. I encourage you to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what is the pace you want me to go? I can't tell you that. The word can. It's hard for you to even know. Like, okay, what can, you know, I I think I'm 30. I can run at this pace or whatever. Talk to the Lord this week and say, okay, Lord, what is the pace you want me to go in my life? With work, with friends, with this. He'll give you the pace of grace. He really will. I'm learning it in my life with the Lord. The pace of grace. All right, one more here. Verse 5 of Isaiah 50. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. We need to know what the Lord God has opened my ear means before we understand, and I was not rebellious, I did not turn away. The Lord God has opened my ear. Wait, he just talked about how he woke him in the morning and, and you know, he, he taught him. When we hear it, we think, okay, I've got the right kind of ear to listen and to learn. But this is a very specific Hebrew word that can only speak of one thing in the Bible. And we find our answer, Scripture interprets Scripture, in Exodus 21. This is the only other time, Exodus and Deuteronomy, they, they, they mean the exact same thing that this is used for this word, so it can't be confused with anything else. Let me show you here, Exodus 21. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them, the people of Israel, the people of God, very early on in the history. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve you six years. And if the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing, right? They all get set free on the seventh year, no matter what debts or anything. It wasn't forced slavery, He owned him because of debt or whatever. It's not slavery like you're thinking. It's a servant. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. Single guy, he goes out a single guy. 
If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and he has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But, but if the servant plainly says, I love my master and I like my wife too, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. I don't want to be my own person. I don't want to do what I want to do. I don't, I'm smart enough to know I don't, need, I don't need to sow these wild oats. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost of his master's house. Remember the doorpost? They got a doorpost? Remember what they had to put on that doorpost in Egypt? And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, a little piece of metal that they used to punch leather, punch holes in leather. This is the only time in the Bible we see any of God's commandments for piercing. This is it. Y'all know, it's all coming together if you know your Bible a little bit. Like, wait, I, I know this bond servant slave thing. With an all, and he shall serve him forever. Now, it's the only time it's talked about piercing in the Bible, putting through. And when it speaks of Jesus here in verse 5, it says, The Lord has opened my ear. He pierced me. Not because it was forced or out of obligation, not because of any of that, but because I am a submissive son. And I stood up and I said, not my will, but thine be done. This is the whole picture of the lifelong servant in the Bible, the uh, bond servant that will be with his master forever in perfect obedience. Now, this is what's amazing about this to me. You got to think about this Old Testament picture. This guy's giving up kind of his rights and his identity. In fact, usually they took the master's name. It was very common. His family kind of went into his master's and they all came together. When you think about a lifelong servant, before, you know, we think about Jesus, we think about the servant, but think about this. God in, in Israel's Old Testament had designed the bond servant who gets pierced at the doorpost and has blood, who's pierced right there where the blood is, to be a Christ type for all of Israel. This person of low estate, way before Jesus ever came on the scene and was the perfect servant, said, listen, I'm going to show you what Jesus is like throughout all the years of history. All your children will understand that he is my perfect bondservant forever. And this servant, this person who gives away his identity, gets to step in and be the type of Christ for the nation of Israel and for the world? Oh, God. You're so good. Number five on your notes. Submission may bring brief pain, but rebellion is lifelong agony. Submission may bring a little Oh, 
that hurts. But rebellion is lifelong agony. I'll take the brief pain any day of the week. I'll take it any day that when I got to submit. Amen? Because I know that the opposite, I don't want any of that. I'm done. Let's stand up. Y'all are all thinking it. He just did it. (laughs) Let's stand up. Let's spend a minute. I want you just to reflect on the goodness of God, on his seasons, on how that servant in the lowest of role, when he gives his life away, actually becomes like Christ. Oh, that's, that's what I want. Maybe you've been silent. You've struggled in silence. And you say, Lord, I don't want to be silent toward you. I'm not doing that anymore. Let's just, I want you to spend a minute with the Lord. Just reflect, just be with him. Talk to him. It's you and him. Just for a few minutes, let's do that. bowed this morning as we reflect on this word this morning let's posture our hearts and our minds and what Christ is speaking right now maybe for some of you that's uh, the word of encouragement maybe for some of you that's this understanding of covenant pace of grace, this submission. The silence that we cannot have. Oh God, remind us right now how to posture ourselves towards you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we pray, let's, let's, let's pray together in unity this morning. If you would, grab your children, grab your spouse, hold their hand tight. And if, if, if you don't have kids and you don't have a spouse here right now, just think about your family. Think about your, uh, your father, your mother. Think about this church as, as your family, as the body of believers this morning. Let's pray specifically 
a couple of things. Let's pray over the covenants that are, are not seasonal. God, thank you. Thank you right now that your covenants are not seasonal. They're not temporary. Lord, if the sun were to stop rising, that, that's the mentality you're asking us to think right now. When we made a covenant in our marriage, it wasn't for 50 years. It wasn't for 30 minutes. It was till the end, all the way till the end. God, with our kids, it's not temporary. It's forever. With our moms, with our dads, it's not temporary. God, thank you for reminding us of your covenant to us, this everlasting covenant of love and grace. Let's pray over the, the voice in our homes. Let's pray over our kids and how we can educate and teach them how to speak life, speak out, that when things are going on, that we don't become silent. That's, that's not what we want. We don't want silence. That's the worst of all seasons, right? God, thank you for giving us the ability to communicate with you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to bridge that gap. God, right now we, we commit to keeping active with our communication, that we will not be silent, God, that when, when times come during season to season, that we will remain active in speaking and listening to you, God, that every season we have a chance to offer you worship to give you glory, to tell you thank you. Let's begin to think about right now where we're at with this pace of grace. What a, what a great word right here. Sometimes this changes for us, depending on where we're at in life. The Lord has been so faithful. God, thank you for teaching us pace of grace in our lives. God, would you remind us again right now, begin to search us where we're at, teach us what we need to, to focus on right now, Lord, as we go to work, that we're not just trying to run after uh, something that you've asked us to hold back. God, that we're not trying to get the next promotion and step on somebody else to get that promotion, but God, we're just learning to sit and rest in what you have asked us to do. God, as we're going to school every single day, Father, that you're teaching us as young ones that we can submit to you and, and say, God, what do you have for me today? What does today look like? We trust you, Lord. In our marriages, Lord, that you're teaching us right now the pace of grace. How good you are to teach us. How faithful you are to teach us. Lastly, the submission lesson of bringing brief pain. Oh, Lord, this is a church that is not of rebellion. Oh, Lord, this is a body that is not of rebellion. Oh, Lord, this is not marriages that are in rebellion. Lord, we submit to you. We submit to your goodness. We submit to you, Father. Lord, in the harshest of seasons, we choose to submit to you. Let's all just lift our hands right now as we close. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what you're teaching us. And we ask right now that as we leave this service today, that you would 
you would continually supply all our needs. Lord, we trust you. We thank you for your covenant in our lives. Lord, we thank you that, that as people begin to move in and move out of our lives, Lord, that you are steadfast always in us. We do not want to be silent. God, we want to understand your pace, the pace that you've tasked us with each day, the pace that you're showing us each day, and Lord, we choose to submit to you. So God, we commit these things to you this morning, and we love you and we honor you today. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, We have our growth track right after this, and if you need to connect, we'd love to see you in the back. Have a great Sunday.